Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off. We're in the sixth chapter of Mitzvah Yisha of Ksuvis on the sixty-nine A on the top. So we said we just that Rebbe said that even the dowry you can collect from properties that were sold. Totally, the Rebbe benechit. Rav asked the question between a letter, a personal letter that he sent to Rebbe. See, in between the lines, he asked the following question. Maybe you didn't think of it till you've done the letter, or maybe you're not allowed to. You were not allowed to write down the oral title. So he like put it in between the lines. Question that he asked is from Rebbe: Ach and brothers, who um, who encumbered Shibdu. Might well explain what do you mean? Shibdu Mao. Properties inherited from the fathers encumbered. What is the law? Could the sister collect a dowry from them or not? He was sitting before Debbie when he read this letter and he was, his question was asked of him. So he asked, Does it mean the brothers sold the property? When he says Shibdu encumbered, meaning they sold the property, or Mishkana, they pledged the property as a repayment of a loan. Because security, the type of, of pledge that he has in mind, he pledged, the brothers pledged the property for security, that, that if in a certain amount of years, if they don't pay back the loan, then uh, they take possession of these fields. The question was, could the sister collect her dowry from these fields that were pledged by the brothers? But he asked, is it talking about that they, they gave the property as a pledge or they sold it? What difference does it make? Either way, you collect, you take for the daughter's dowry, but you don't collect from them for her sustenance. Rabbis made an enactment, really they should. If his estate, if he pledges that he has to, his estate, when he dies, his estate has to sustain his wife and his, and his daughters, his daughter from his wife, then you should be able to collect it even even from mortgageable property, properties that were sold. But the rabbis made an enactment, because since there's no limit, there's no set amount, there's no fixed amount, so it's endless. So no one is going to want to do any commerce. No one's going to want to do any business. Who's going to want, want to buy a property from them? When the lien, if a lien is limited, so you take a risk, you take, make an evaluation. But here it's limitless. There's no end. They can be feeding and nourishing them for the next uh, 50 years. So, so that then all commerce will cease, will ground to a halt. No one's going to want to do any business. So therefore the rabbis enacted that you can't collect. But a dowry, however, is a fixed thing. So therefore... He can protect himself. He can buy the property, and since he knows it's only going to take 10% of the estate, he'll leave 10% behind. He's not going to buy everything. The answer, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the brothers sold the property. 69A. It doesn't matter if the brothers sold the property or if they gave it as a pledge. We can, extra, we can take from the property that they sold or they pledged to pay the dowry, but we can't take from the property they sold the pledge to support the system. Rav, Rav who asked this question, if he was asking in the case where the brother sold the property, he should have written, they sold it. 
Why does he say, why did Rav in his question, he said, they encumbered? Rav asked in both cases. However, they encumbered the property, whether they sold it or they gave it as a pledge. And he reasoned, if I write to him, the brothers who sold, it would be okay. We send back to me. We collect and sold properties. How much more so? They never really, they never sold the property. They just gave it as a as a as a pledge. If he's going to send back to me, they don't collect. I still won't know. I still have a question. Maybe if you sold it, so you sold it. It's done. It's gone. So you can't use that property to pay the dowry. But if if you just gave it as a security, then maybe it's still it's still in the, the, the it's still considered in the possession of the brothers. So therefore, you would collect it for the dowry. Now, if I would have spelled out, specified that I'm asking my question regarding um, property that the brothers pledged as a security. If you would tell me we don't take away then I would know. If if a property that was pledged as a security, you don't you don't use that to pay for the for the dowry, how much more so if it was sold? Fine, that would be fine. But what if but if he would tell me Metzian, I still wouldn't know that in that case we do we do retract it. I would still not know in the case when they sold it. Maybe in the case that they sold it, you don't extract it. That's what he just said. It was encumbered, which incorporates includes both cases. And that Rabbi's answer was very clear. In both cases, whether the field was pledged or the field was sold, you extract it and you use it to pay the dowry for the sister. Rabbi Yechonon disagrees. Rabbi Yechonon says, in either case, either way, whether they sold it or they gave it as a pledge, pledge as a security, you don't collect. In Mitzin, you don't collect to pay for the dowry, for the sister's dowry. Yiboyilu, they asked, according to Rabbi Yechonon, he didn't know that Rabbi gave a verdict. Had he heard Rabbi's opinion, he would have he would have humbly accepted Rebbe's, Rebbe's opinion. Rebbe was his teacher. He did hear Rebbe's opinion with all due respect. Comes to Torah, you have to learn Torah, you have to understand the Torah. You have to have your own, it has to make sense to you. We find many times, honor your parents, we find arguments. Rashi, Rambam argues with his father and renders a different verdict than his father. You know, in the Gemara we also find that children and their sons and their fathers disagree. But the Torah says you have to respect your father. Yes, but the Torah have to learn, have to understand. It doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't make sense to me. I can't accept it just because my father said, just because my Rebbe said, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. Grandparents and grandchildren, right? But here, even, even a father and a son, even a Rebbe and a student. Toshma, bring your proof. Which one is it? Where we learn... Someone dies and he left two daughters and one son. And the first daughter preceded her sister. She got married first. But not least in she took a tenth of her father's estate for a dowry. And the second daughter didn't have a chance to collect her dowry. 
she got engaged, she got married later, Achamesa ben the son died, and now this state fell. What's left? The two sisters, they inherit the whole estate. Rabbi Eichanan said, Shnia Vitra, the second daughter forfeits her right to claim her dowry. In other words, you can't say, okay, I'm going to take 10%, and then what's left over will split evenly, 50-50. No. Tough luck. Tough luck. Your sister got married when the brother was still alive, so she gets 10%, and that's hers to keep. And you did not get married, or you didn't ask for the dowry before this, the brother died. So now, whatever is left, you divide, split it evenly, 50-50. So Rabbi challenged The rabbi said even more than that. Metzin Leparnaz, we're allowed to collect for the daughter's dowry. And even, that even if it was pledged, even if the, if the field was pledged or sold, nevertheless, we take away, we take it out from the buyer and, and the pledged security and we give, from the field, we give her her dowry. But we don't collect from his first sustenance. And yet you say the second daughter forfeits her right to collect the dowry. If a dowry can be collected from inherited property that was sold or pledged to a lender, surely it can be collected from the estate when it's still intact. The brother died, now the two sisters get it, but the 10% is hers. Yeah. What's left over, just like the first sister got 10%, and that's entirely hers, 100% hers, you didn't have to split it with the sister. So, so the second sister should also get 10%, and then split the rest 50 50. Okay, so what do we see from there? We miss. If you're going to say that Rabbi didn't hear, did not hear of Rabbi's opinion, that Rabbi holds. That the Rebbe says you could collect the dowry. Name Malaysia. Whose opinion is this? As far as he's concerned, Rabbi Echelen thought this is the law. No one even argues with this. It's unanimous. So when Abhaninah says, why is this any different? Why is the case where the brother dies and the two sisters are left? And you, Rabbi Echelen, claim that they have to, she lost her, her right to the dowry. And they split whatever, whatever is uh, there, 50-50. And then it says, wait, why is that? In, how, how could this, why should this be any different than the case when they sold the property and they pledged it, and you, yet you can still collect the dowry? How much more so here? The property is intact. It was never sold, surely. So why didn't Yechon encounter? What are you talking about? Who, who holds in this opinion? I don't know. I studied by Rebbe, and Rebbe holds like me. Everyone holds <laughs> So we see, we must say that he knew of this opinion. That he knew that this is, yes, it's a legitimate opinion. This is what Rebbe holds. And nevertheless, he disagrees. He argues. As for him, it's not a question. Abkhadina asks, how could you say this when we even take away? Abkhadina said, no, we don't take away. According to my opinion, mm-hmm. you don't. Once it's sold and once it's pledged to security, you can't use it to collect the dowry. Mm-hmm. And here, if it's intact, you don't need to collect the dowry. You just split it 50-50. So we see clearly from here that, that the Rebbe, he knew, Rabbi Yechonon knew Rebbe's opinion, his, his teacher's opinion. And nevertheless, and nevertheless, he argues with the Rebbe, he argues with Rabbi Nakat. And he mother says, no, this is not a proof. Maybe he never heard. 
When he heard that this is Rebbe's ruling, then he accepted it. In other words, his opinion was before he knew, before he found out. Once Rabbi Hanina enlightened him and told him that you were absent that day from Shul, from the Dav Yoimi, and you weren't there when Rebbe taught this, and this is what Rebbe taught, he says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to argue with my Rebbe. I thought I misunderstood, I, mis I mistook, I made a mistake. But then he accepted it, and therefore he retracted his, his ruling. And in all three cases, the rule is that she would collect her if it was sold, if it was, if it was pledged security, and how much more so when the brother dies, and now the two sisters stand to inherit it, she still gets her 10% dowry. And then you divide the rest. And yet, in that case, where one daughter wants to collect a dowry from the other daughter is different. No, he accepted Rabbi Hanina's opinion. Sorry, he doesn't, he doesn't fight back with Rabbi Hanina. Okay, he says, I, do, I wasn't aware of the Rabbi's opinion. Okay, I learned something new. And I agree, if this is Rabbi's opinion, then fine. And he took it back, what he said we learned earlier. Rabbi Hanina said that even if it's sold or it's pledged as security, you don't collect the dowry. You took it back, you do collect the dowry. And nevertheless, in this case, in this case, in the case where the two sisters and the brother, and the one sister married before the brother died, and she got a 10% dowry, and then the other, the brother dies, and then when she gets married, she cannot collect the dowry. Why not? If in the case where it's sold, in the case where it's pledged security, she collects the dowry. How much more so here? The, the state is intact. Why shouldn't she collect the dowry and then split the rest? So the difference is, is the distinction is, there's different. He could have a base because there's a lot of enough profit for her home. There's enough profit to take care of her. Why do you have to give her 10%? When do you have to give her 10% dowry when she doesn't have anything? Because the sons inherit everything. The daughters don't inherit a thing. Mm -hmm. They don't have a dime to their name. Mm -hmm. so therefore, we give her a dowry. She should have money. But here she's an inheritor. The son died. The brother died. It, all that's left are the two sisters. So they inherit the billion dollars. What do you have to give her? You have to give her 10%. She, she has money. She's okay. That's the case. What if she won the lottery ticket? And she, she, she fell into money. She doesn't have money from her father because her sons inherit everything. But she won the lottery ticket. She's, she won the... Uh, she won the yeah. She has enough money. You're not going to give her dowry. What she has, she has. What does one have to do with the other? She's entitled to the dowry. She said, I'm not ever I'm talking about from this property. If she, got, if she inherited money, I mean, if she, if she won the lottery, fine. That's her mazel. But you want to give her 10% from the estate. Yeah. She inherits the estate. What do you give a ten percent of the estate? What do you? That's, that's right. Hey, have a daughter is an inheritor of one tenth of her father's estate. We'll explain what the, what's the practical difference. Whether she gets ten percent or we consider like a, she inherits ten percent. 
you saying if the brothers want instead of giving you the land 10% of the land they want to offer him money they can't offer him money why not you have to give her 10% of the value but they inherit they're not obligated to part with the property with the real estate property maybe it'll go up in value they want to keep it they want to hold on to it you inherited 10, 10 apartment buildings on Park Avenue. They don't want to give away one. In 20 years, it's going to be worth a lot more. We'll give you whatever the value is. We'll give you money. We'll write you a check. Why can't they? What do you know? She inherits it. She gets the inheritance. Is that what you're meaning to say? That she has to get the inheritance itself, 10% of the estate? The rental fees. So he said to Ravashi, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Ravashi argued, wait a minute, are you saying that if the brothers want to oust her from the rest of the state, we're offering her one plot of land. They can't. In other words, she has to get a tenth of each, of each, of each building, of each piece of land. Can't they say, okay, we'll give, you, we'll give you 10%, we'll give you one field is yours, or one house is yours, and that's it. I'm laying that's exactly what I'm saying. She's, she's an inheritor. The rabbis, and now even though it's only a rabbinic enactment, but the rabbis gave her, she's like an inheritor. And therefore she gets 10% of everything. She has a 10% stake, stock owner, in every single piece of land, property that the estate owns. Ravashi says, he disagrees, he disagrees with her. He says, no, she's not an inheritor. It's an obligation. It's, it's an obligation that the husband obligated himself to make sure that his daughter and his wife will get a dowry. That's it. Therefore, they can give her money. They can. Well, you're out of here. We'll give you ten percent of the value. We don't want you to. We don't want you to have a share in this property, forever and ever. And or if they want, they can give her one parcel. They can give her that whatever they choose. We'll give you the value. We'll give you the the, the hundred acres in the poker. <laughs> Concludes. took back his opinion, and then at the end he agreed with Ravashi. said, I was sitting before a A woman came before him. That was She demanded a tenth of the estate for a dowry. And I, I understood from his opinion that if the brothers wanted to give her money, they could have Masalakala, they could have ousted her. Because I heard the brothers saying to her, If we had money, we would give you money. And Mehmet didn't correct him. Mehmet said, No, 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 that's not an option. It just happened to be that they had no money. But, but, uh, but, they, they said, the brother said, if it was up to us, if we had the cash, we would give you cash, and we don't want you to be a, have a share in this property. We'll give you this property. And Amemah didn't say anything. We see Amemah took back his opinion, retracted his opinion, and then he agreed with Ravashi that she's like a creditor. That's it. That's her right to the uh, dowry. Not, she's not like an inheritor. Now that you've said that she's, you've established she's a creditor... The Abba, the Achi, is she a creditor of the father or the brothers? Who owes her? The father owes her or the brothers owe her? 
What do you mean the father? We said earlier the father can, the father could uh, before he dies say, "I don't want to give her a dime. I don't want to leave a dowry." We're just evaluating his state of mind. That probably he would want to give a dowry. What do you mean an obligation on the father? Of course, the obligation is only on the brothers. We're establishing that's probably what the father would want to do. So, what do you mean? Meaning, the, the obligation the rabbis placed on the brothers, it's as if they inherited a debt from the father. This is what the father would want to give her, so they inherited a debt, an obligation that they have to pay. This is what the father wants. Or, no, it's their debt, it's their obligation. My What difference does it make? What practical implications are there, whether you consider it as if as if it's a, the father's debt that the brothers are obligated to pay or it's their own personal debt. There's a different thing about it. Whether she can collect of average land without an oath. Is he Buddhist Bishwar and a furia land with an oath? If a debtor can't pay his loan, right, the creditor has a right to collect, well, which land? Not the best land. Not the Park Avenue home. Middle average not, not the slum land, not in the slum places, but you, you don't have to collect the best either. You can collect uh, the average. But when you collect from orphans, if the father dies, if the creditor dies, if the, if the debtor died, and now you're collecting from his children, from the estate, we stick up for the orphans. You're collecting the cheapest land, the worst land that they have. You know, the 100 acres in the Poconos, <laughs> that's what you're going to collect, whatever it is. You're not getting average land. So that's the question. If the rabbi said it's like the debt of the father, the children have to pay, the, the debt of the father, then they have to pay from average. They can't, they can't give her the cheapest piece of uh, parcel of land that they have. But if it's, oh, I'm country. If it's the father's debt, so they are like orphans. So the orphans, you give, we, we give you the cheapest land. But if it's their personal debt, they have, it's like a creditor and a debtor. You have, to give, you have to pay them from average properties. Not the choicest properties, but not the cheapest properties, somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. What's the law? It's a good question. So Tashma, I'll bring you a proof. Ravina collected the dowry for Ravashi's daughter. Mimar Ravashi. From Mar, the son of Ravashi, her brother. Ravashi passed away. Uh-huh. And Mar, the son of Ravashi, inherited all Ravashi's estate. But when it came time to marry, Ravina was a rabbi then. He collected the 10% of the estate for her dowry. What did he collect? Bainanis, the average. You don't need to take a note. When you collect from the orphans, you get the worst. And you have, and you have, to, you have to swear. You have to take an oath that it was never paid. Otherwise, you can't collect it. That she never got it before. The dowry, she never got the dowry. She never collected the debt. He never collected. But here, but if you owe them directly, if I come to pay a debt, I don't have to swear. You owe me money and I have to pay. And you're going to pay me from the average property. When he collected from the son of Rapsama, the son of Ravashi, the grandson of Ravashi, as her brother's son, the Buddhist Bishwur, he took inferior land and only with an oath. 
the son, that's already an orphan. That's already the son of the, fa- the father. So from the brother, that's considered a, a direct debt, a direct uh, debt between the brother and the sister. Between the children. So she doesn't have to swear and she gets the bandit. But when, when she collects from, from the children of the, of the brothers, from her nephews, that's already, now you're collecting a debt, the father's debt, he passed away, you're collecting from the orphans, so you only get the worst for a dowry, the worst fields, and you have to swear that she didn't, never got any dowry before. When she collected her dowry, Rabbi Ashi had two sons, Rav Sama and Marba Rav Ashi. So Marba Rav Ashi was alive. Rav Sama passed away. So his son inherited, the grandson inherited his father's portion. When the daughter came, the daughter of Ashi came to marry, and Avina came to collect the dowry, so he, had to, he took 50% from the son and 50% from the grandson. So from the son, he collected, without her, she didn't have to swear that she never got her dowry before. And he took from the average fields that, that, that he inherited, that, that the, smart, the son of Ravashi. But when he, when he collected the other 50% from Ravashi's grandson, right. there, he made her swear that she didn't get any to collect her 50% from him. And he was able to give her the worst, huh. the worst fields that he had. He was able to up, unload on her. So we see clearly that it's considered a debt, direct debt between the brothers and the sister. Shalukh Leirab Nechem, Yebreder Rabbi Yesu. Nechem, Yedis, son of Rabbi Yesu. Send Leirab Barav Huna Zuta Minadot. Rabbi Barav Huna Zuta Minadot. Ki as Yeho Yitzelakam. When this woman comes before you, Agbi Yitzel Nechosim, Afilum Yitzelubla, collect her tenth. Father's estate, which is entitled even from the base of a mill. No, she was entitled to collect a dowry. And the dowry was in the, in the place of Rabbi Barav Huna, Zuta. So she asked, you should write a letter to Rabbi Huna that she has a right to collect. In other words, even the base of a millstone is considered like real estate. It's not considered like a movable item because it's attached to the ground. In other words, he holds, he only collected from real estate, not from movable items. He disagrees with Rebbe. Rebbe, you learned earlier that you collected even from movable items. But he, he disagrees. He says, no, you only collected from, uh, from, uh, from land, from not movable items. But he said, even the mill, the base of a mill is considered uh, unmovable. Quite a number. Ravashi says, When I was in the academy of Rav Kahana, we collect the dowry even from the rent payable for houses in the estate. The rent for property is considered like real property because it's the product of a property. You're paying rent for real estate. So any income from the real estate is considered like real estate. So Sass, what are we talking about? If the rent was already collected, it became due and the rent was already collected. So now it's cash. It belongs to the brothers. It's cash. They don't have to give it. They don't have to give the sister. It's not movable item. If it wasn't collected yet. So obviously. You're giving her the property. What do you mean giving her the property? She doesn't have to sell the property. She can use the property to all the milk it, milk the property for all that it's worth. 
the rent and the payments, it all comes to her. That's, that's the dowry that she gets. So, so what, what's, the, what's, what's he coming to teach us? So he says, we're talking about a case where the, do, the rent is not due yet. The rent is not due yet. And he pays. In the, so he became obligated to pay the rent. He started the obligation. But so if he pays the rent early, that rent, because the time for the rental is at the conclusion of the rental period. That's when, so since he's paying like in advance or before, so therefore it's considered like uh, unmovable item. She's getting the fruits of this, of this property. It's not cash. Even though you already become obligated from when he moved in, but the obligation doesn't, it's only at the end of the rental period, at the end of the month, you have to pay. Even though the obligation starts the, the first day, you're already living. But, the, but when it's due, that's when, that's when it's considered cash. Here, it's, it's a, called the fruit of the land, and therefore it's considered, it's considered like real estate. Sholach le send this directive to Rabbi our colleague, peace unto you. He greets him respectfully. Yes, when this woman comes before you, wants to collect a dowry, he wrote a letter. Someone from Ravonan's uh, area was had to collect her, her dowry from uh, real estate that was in Ravonan's domain. So he writes him a letter. When this woman comes to you, make sure to collect 10% of the estate for a dowry. He was sitting for Rav Hunne when Rav Hunne's message came to him. Rav Hunne said to Rav Hunne, go tell Rav Hunne. And the one who doesn't convey this message will be excommunicated. What's my message to you? Oh, no, no, no. In the car came with Altush, I collect for this woman only from real estate, even from movable. It's an argument amongst the rabbis. And also tell me who sits at the head in the house of Marzech. In a mourner's house. When people come to console a mourner, who sits at the head? By the meal, you know, the most important person would sit at the head of the table. The next one would sit next to him. So he was sending him a message that Rav Onan, even though he's the leader, doesn't necessarily mean that he's the greatest. A mourner is also placed in the head, and it doesn't mean that he's the greatest. He just happens to be. He's the one who's mourning. So maybe it just happens to be that he was elected as the leader, even though he's not uh, exactly the most qualified. Had no choice. He went for Ravonan because it was a little like chutzpahdik, like a very. That's what he said. If you don't say this, I'm going to excommunicate you. Say exactly. Repeat my words. You're not your own words. You're not being disrespectful. It's my words. is a master. Ravonan said to him, Ravonan is a master. Ravonan is a master's master. Ravuna said he's an excommunicate one who's not going to convey the following message. He, he apologized. In advance, Ravuna 
Rabbi Sheshis apologized for being so speaking such chutzpahdikah words. He said, "What should I do? You're a master, but Avodah is the master of masters." And he basically told me, "I'm mean, going to excommunicate me if I don't repeat exactly these words." On and on, and who sits in the house of, of Marzeich? Morning. I'm led Avodah to come and Avukas. Avodah said for Avukas. And Ravonan went to Ravuk Amalei and he said to him, "Chazi Mari, Chasal Ravuna." You see, how Ravuna addressed me in the message he sent to me. Onan, onan. It's like being very disrespectful. Void Marzecha the Shalachli, and he asked about Marzecha. I don't know what it is. Leidana Mania, what's Marzecha? So Amalei Maruk was said to him, "Emily, easy. Tell me now." Tell me, my friend. We continue on side B. What was the question that you sent? Uh, what was the message that you sent? What happened? This is what happened. Person who doesn't know what Mazeich is. Sends a message to Ravuna addressing him. My colleague. He addressed him inappropriately. My friend. Peace unto you. Huna is your friend. Huna is your colleague. Huna is your master of masters. So if you don't even know what Marzeche is, you consider yourself a colleague of Huna. My Marzeche. What is Marzeche? Of Lamorner. The Sivit says, Don't go to the house of a mourner. Hashem told Jeremiah you shouldn't go to comfort mourners. People ask why not. They'll explain to them there's going to be a time a death will be so, so common that the few survivors won't even bother to mourn. Where do we know the mourner sits in the hedge? It says in Job, I would choose their way. I would sit at the head. I would rest like a king mm-hmm. amongst his troops, as one consoles mourners. Yeah, Yankem means who consoles others. Not the mourner sits at the head, but the one who comes to console him sits in the head. Like a king sits amongst his soldiers, he sits at the head. So too, the one who comes to, to, to comfort the mourners, it seems like the Pasuk is saying, he sits in the head, not the mourner who is being consoled. It's written, the way, it's, the way we pronounce it, it's here. but the way it's written, it's written, the one who is being, being consoled. He should say. Yeah. Mazuta says Macha from here. We learn it out from here. It says Basar Marzeach Suruchim. It says in Amais, excessive mourning will approach, which is expounded means Mar Vizach Nasasar Lusruchim. One who is bitter and detached. Someone who is in mourning. Mad who's bitter and he's detached. A mourner's soul is bitter and his mind is detached. He's, he's, he's totally lost. Becomes a prince. 
of the exalted one. The Suruchin will come to console him. So he's like this prince who's sitting in the center, at the head. Suruchin here is referring to nobility, aristocracy, come to console him. So they, even they have to, they give him honor, and he becomes like the, the head, he becomes uh, the principal, and he sits in, at the head. You only collect from real property, not from movable items, whether it's to, to, to nourish them, to nurture them, to take care of them, all their needs, or for the dowry, or for the ksuva, for the dowry, you only, you only collect from, from, from real estate, you don't collect from movable, movable, movable items. Today, today, however, you collect from everything. The later rabbis instituted this. Today, no one had real estate. Everyone only had movable items. Next mission. Okay, look at Mishnah. One who deposits money with a trustee for his daughter. Either for her dowry. He tells him to buy the money, take the money, and buy a field with her, buy a field for her. He doesn't want it to be squandered. That's why he doesn't want to leave the money directly to her. He leaves it with a trusted trustee who's going to preserve the principal, and she'll be able to live off of the, uh, to be able to live off the fruits of the. So if if he buys a property and then the, the husband gets to eat the fruits of the field, but the field itself remains her property. Or he can buy her at St. Basel property. That means a property that he takes full responsibility for. The husband takes full responsibility for and he has a right to sell it, but nevertheless he has to pay her the full value no matter what happens. Whatever it is, that's what he does. He gives money to a trustee to buy, to take care of his daughter after his death. And she says, And she says, I trust my husband. In other words, he says, give him the money and he'll buy a field. She wants to take away the money from the trustee. The trustee should do as he was instructed by the father. Don't listen to the daughter. He's a trustee. The father didn't trust the daughter. So he should ignore the daughter's request and do what his father asked him to do. If it was only a field she wished to sell it, it would be sold from this moment. In other words, what, what's the point of the, having the trustee buy a field? After he buys the field, she can sell it and keep the money, do whatever she wants with it. So if she wants the money now, you might as well give it to her. <laughs> I mean, what, why, what are you gaining? No, the trustee doesn't listen to her, refuses her request. He's going to buy the property and give the property to her. Once it's hers, she can do whatever she wants with it. So she'll sell it and get back the money. So she asked for the money. Yeah, yeah, you haven't solved anything. You, you might as well give her the money. 
You can't control, it's not the trustee is going to control the property. No, the father asked him, take the money and buy property. So, and give it to her. So she can do whatever she wants with it, she can sell it. So she'll get the, back the money. So what's the, what's the point? This, how could she sell the property? It says you're not allowed to sell the, fa- the father's estate until you reach the age of 20. You have to have maturity. Being, reaching puberty is just the beginning of maturity. You don't have the maturity to sell real estate. But that's only your father's estate. But any property that she buys on her own, you can do whatever she wants. You can sell at the age of 12. I mean, it's her property. She can... So that's the argument in Ahmed and Abiyasi. What's the conclusion? Ahmed, what am I When does this ruling apply? When do we listen to her? Says Abiyasi, big deal. Only if she's an adult. If she's a minor, whatever she does is meaningless. <laughs> and, um, and therefore, she wouldn't be able to sell it. So in that case, Abiyatsi would agree that the, the Shlish doesn't listen to her, ignores her request, keeps the money, and does, follows the father's instruction. That's the mission. And this age is 12. And the rabbis learn, so and gives money with the trustee for the benefit of his son-in-law. He told the trustee to buy a field for his daughter. He told the trustee, take the money and after I die, buy land that will benefit not only my daughter, my daughter will own the land, but it will benefit my son-in-law. Either, either way, either as a malug, if it's her property, he gets all the fruits and the profit of the property while they're married. Or if it's same Barzal, he takes responsibility and it becomes his and he takes full responsibility and at the end of the marriage, he, take, he has to return, restore the value of the property, whatever it was at the time. If he, if he squanders everything, it's his responsibility. So, but in the meanwhile, so the, so he, either way, he gets to benefit from it. And she says, let it be given to my husband. If she said it after they're fully married, there should be other. She has the right. She has the right to request that the field should go totally to her husband. The entire field should be given as a gift to her husband, as his. Was the father only gave the 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 trustee the right until she's married, until she's fully married? Because he assumed that once they're married, the husband is going to already enjoy the field. Either way, either it's a Malug property or it's the same Baza property. So therefore, she has says, give it if they're fully married. You can give the, the field to my husband. But if Minedasin, but if she says so only after the first stage of marriage, the betrothal, the trustee should do as he was instructed by the father. If she's already an adult, she has a right. Because anyway, once you're going to buy her property, she can sell it and get back the money, and she can do whatever she wants. She can give all her money to her husband. So, so therefore, there's no point in, in, in not listening to her and just telling the trustee, just follow the father's instruction. No, you can follow her instruction. But she's a minor, even after the marriage is fully complete, he does not, he can ignore her request. 
Because sell it, she can't do anything with it. So she ignores his request. So, so what do we see? If she's an adult and she's fully married, everyone agrees that we listen to her. Even a mayor. If she's a minor and she's only betrothed, everyone agrees. Even Abiyasi agrees that we, we ignore her request. The question is if she's fully married or she's a minor, or she's an adult but she's only betrothed. What's the argument between them? If you're going to say the argument in the main is a minor after she's fully married, that may or should be other. A mayor says she ha- we have to listen to her request. It says that even after Nesuyin, even after she's fully married, only an adult, but a minor not. Look at the, the last part of the mission. In the case of a minor, the act of a minor is meaningless. So, who, who's, whose statement is this? statement. He already said in the beginning. Rabbi said that a minor. You don't listen to a minor. What's the point? The, the, the trustee is going to take the money, buy a field, give her the field, and she can take a turn around and sell the field. So you might as well just follow her instructions and give it to her. It will be sold from this moment. So what are we talking about? Gedolah, the Vazvini in. It's talking about a, an adult who has the power to sell a field. Tana la Vazvini, a minor can't sell a field. So therefore, this whole rationale, the whole reasoning of Rabbi Yezi says why we should listen to her and not follow the father's instructions, just give her the money, is because she can turn around. She's going to listen to the follow, follow, follow the father's instructions and take the money and buy a field and give it the field. She can turn around and sell the field and get back the money. But that's only true of an adult, not of a minor. So why does he have to conclude that ain't my zikatana klum? This is a mayor's conclusion. The mission is missing words. This way. The mayor says that the, the trustee should ignore the daughter's request and follow the father's instruction. When do we say this? When it is only if the daughter makes the request after the betrothal. But if if it's from but if it's from the marriage, even it's after she's fully married, we should follow her. We should follow her. We should uh, obey her request. When do we say this big day long if she's an adult? In the case of a minor, so we see from here. When Amir said in the Brais that after Nesuyan we listen to her, we're talking about an adult. But if it's a minor, even after Nesuyan, we ignore her request. So, so then, what's the difference then? They all agree. If she's married, fully married and she's an adult everyone agrees that we listen to her <laughs> if she's a minor 
and uh, she's betrothed. Everyone agrees that we don't listen. What are we arguing about? And if if she's a minor and she's married, also everyone agrees that we don't listen to. Her. So what are they arguing? The only argument is if she's an adult and betrothed. He says, what's the point? You're not going to listen to her? You're going to follow the father's instructions? What, what, what's the trustee going to do? You're going to take the money, buy a field, give it to her? She's an adult. You can turn around and sell it. So you might as well just listen to her and give her the money. And if the mayor says, no, you have to follow the father's instructions. It what we learn. Allah follows Rabbi Yaisi. That we give her the money. The law follows that mayor. He says that even an adult, adult is not listened to, even after the, if it's only the betrothal, even though she can turn around and take the field and sell it, turn it around and sell it, it doesn't matter. He should follow the the trustee should follow the father's instructions and ignore her request. Even though it sounds pointless, right? After, after it's fully married, even that may would agree that we, we follow we add, follow her request. But it says, Ilfe Ilya went and balanced himself with the master of the There's anyone who can tell me anything that's stated in the Baraisa, taught by Rabbi and Rabbi that I won't be able to show you where it's derived from the Mishnah. Everything is in the Mishnah. If, I'm, if I can't do that, I'm going to jump off. Jump off the sail and drown. Drown myself. Also, a certain old man came and quoted the following Baraisa. If one says to his trustee, give a shekel to my son each week, really, it would be appropriate to give him more than that. Two shekels, a seller. Shekel is a half a dollar. Really, he deserves to get two shekels. We give him a seller. Two shekels. But if he says, but if he said clearly, don't give them more than a shekel and half a dollar. This little shekel, you only give them a half a shekel, even though it's not enough for their needs. If he said in but if he said that if they die before, before, and there's still something left of the estate, let others inherit uh, instead of them. If they die childless, right. right? Some say even if they had children, so he said someone then someone else should inherit them instead of their family. Whether he says give them, he says don't give them, only give these others in You only give them a shekel. So in that case, if he doesn't want them, if he doesn't want to keep the property in their in their family. He says eventually if they die. Those, I just want to take care of them. I don't want them to inherit my property. So in that case, so in that case, it doesn't matter. Even if he didn't say, don't give them only a shekel. Even if he says, give them, all you give them is a shekel.
Because obviously he doesn't care for them. He doesn't want them to inherit the property. He just doesn't, doesn't want to leave them homeless in the street, starving. So therefore he has the trustee make sure they have something, a bare minimum. So Amalei Hamani, so the question this elderly Jew asked of Ilfa, who is this? Who, who, which opinion is this? He said you can prove everything is in the Mishnah. So tell me, what's the source in the Mishnah? Whose opinion is it? has the power to limit his estate, his children. He has that power. He says, according to who does he follow? So he answered, Amir. This is the opinion of Amir. The Omar. Amir said, Mitzvah Lekayim Dibri Amir. The mayor said that you have to listen. The mayor says you have to listen to the, to the dead person's instruction. Our mission that we just learned that the, he should ignore the trustee should ignore the daughter's request and should uh, follow the father's request. The mitzvah to listen to the father. Okay, let's already finish the chapter. Doesn't matter what he said. Give. Don't give them anything. We don't listen to them. We give them everything that they need. Back when I came you just said that Allah, the law follows Ahmed, the Mitzvah Kaim, the Ibrahim Mess. That's only true. When do we say this? Regarding other things, other cases. In this case, we assume that he wants to provide for all the needs. Why did he say only give him a shekel or give him a shekel? He wanted a. He wanted to like uh, prompt them to be to be thrifty to be. He wants to be mizadism. He wants to light a fire under them. It shouldn't be welfare queens. He wants them to produce and to be productive. He says, I'm only giving you a small allowance. Otherwise, you spoil them, and you end up with a bunch of spoiled brats and titled brats. What do they call it? The uh, inheritance babies? Uh, no. Uh, and, no, there's um, trust fund babies. Trust fund babies who grow up entitled, spoiled brats, unproductive, arrogant, superficial, <laughs> a pain in the neck, nudniks. Because they, they were never taught to be productive. You know, wealth can destroy you. So that's, that, that was the purpose of the father. Not that he didn't love his children. He wants to take care of his children. He never right. meant they should starve, don't give them what they need. You just tell them, I'm giving you a small allowance, so you should, you should figure it out yourself. Do something with your life. Mm-hmm. We learned over there, we learned in the Mishnah, we learned in Gitin, Apotes, young children, Mecca, Mecca, they can sell, they can buy. With portable items, movable items. Amadafram said, it's only in the case where there's no administrator. Mm-hmm. These administrators managing their estate, they then whatever they sell, they buy, even movable items has no validity. Where do I know this from? It's not what the Mishnah says. A clear reading of the Mishnah is that they have a right to sell. It says, it says an act of a minor is meaningless. Our Mishnah says. That the trustee should not listen to the minor, the request of a minor, and should follow the instructions of the father. But how? Why? The Mishnah says they could sell. How do you reconcile the two Mishnahs? You have to say, because here we have an administrator, we have a trustee. Whenever there's a trustee, then whatever they do is meaningless. 
Maybe a trustee is different. In other words, he was given a specific task. How can you compare that to an administrator who's just administrating the whole estate and then they can't buy and they can't sell or whatever they do is meaningless? How do you derive that from our mission? <laughs> but it says, can't listen. If that were the case, it should have said, In the case of a minor, the, uh, the trustee should, should ignore the minor's request and do follow the father's, instru- the father's instruction. It's not what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah makes a broad statement. She does is meaningless. In general, even if there's no uh, trustee, even if it's just an administrator, whatever she does, he can't say in general whatever she does is meaningless. But the Mishnah says clearly she could buy and sell. The minor could buy and sell. We're referring to whenever there's a, there's a manager, an apotrophus, apotrophus, then if there's a manager, then... They can't buy, you can't sell, even movable items. So we conclude the sixth chapter tomorrow with Hashem's help. We begin the seventh chapter, Mazel.